0: Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond, using a conscious, experiential, and evidence based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. To learn more, visit us at www.academyimh.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is Juniper Owens, the co-founder and director of the Academy of Integrative Mental Health, and I will be your host for today's integrative conversation. And I'm so excited about the conversation I had with nature-based soul guide, Doug Van Houten. We dived into the deep waters of the soul, swimming with the images of Earth, dreaming and weaving through us a planetary conversation with many threads, including soulcraft wisdom and practices, the wild mind model, which is a nature based map of the psyche. Also, we talked about the limits to ego-based psychology. And near the end of the conversation, Doug shares a guided imagery practice that touches on the heart of SoulCraft. You're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that if you are interested in a guided imagery practice and getting to know what SoulCraft is all about. But before we immerse ourselves in the mystery of the soul, you might be wondering what in the world SoulCraft is if you've never heard of it before. So let's hear straight from Bill Plotkin, author of several books, including Soulcraft, Crossing Into the Mystery of Nature and Psyche. This clip is from a talk he gave at Shoemaker College, and he gives one of his definitions of soul.
1: My shorthand definition is by soul, I mean a thing's ultimate place in the world. I say "thing" because not only humans have souls; everything has a soul. Everything has its ultimate uh, necessary place in the world, and we as humans are no exception. So, for me, soul is to talk of soul is to talk about a kind of place or a, a niche or niche in the world, and uh, it's for me soul is not a substance, not even a metaphysical substance. Um, It's the place we were born to take. And the place is not primarily a cultural place. That's that's where it kind of gets difficult, um, given what we've learned in our Western societies. Um, The place that we were born to take is not a particular vocation or social role. It's something that in the Western world we consider mystical. It's not really mystical, I think in healthy society it would just be, yeah, well, of course. So it's something that you could say it's mythical. Our, this, our soul place is of dream, symbol, metaphor, myth, archetype. Is that we're each born to take a particular place, a unique place, in the ecology, in our ecosystem. First and foremost, that soul is ecological, it's of nature that every place that anything has, including us, is a place in the natural world.
0: So as Bill Plotkin so eloquently describes, soul is rooted in the entire context of the ecosystem of all beings on the planet and the universe. And as an ecotherapist and Yasai Shinrin-Yoku guide, and also a practitioner of Soulcraft myself, I feel passionate about this work in the context of mental health and introducing my colleagues to the possibilities of moving beyond the narrow confines of our mental health system for the empowerment of ourselves, our clients, and communities. We have a new course coming up that I'm super excited about and it's called Shinrin Yoku in Clinical Practice. It's coming soon. So please be on the lookout if this topic is of interest to you. In the meantime, you can check out a free webinar which I recorded for the second International Forest Therapy and Wellbeing Summit in 2020, along with my colleague Holden Dillman. And this will give you an introduction to a little bit about how ecotherapy can be applied in a clinical context. You can find these in all of our courses and webinars on our website, www.academyimh.com. And I'll also share a discount code at the end of the podcast if you are interested in trying out any of our courses, or maybe if you'd like to give the gift of education to a mental health professional you love or yourself for the holidays. So stay tuned for that. And now, Let's dive into our conversation with Doug Van Houten. Our guest today is Doug Van Houten, whose work in the world is as a body, art, and soul guide. Doug draws on the wisdom of the natural world, depth psychology, eco-psychology, dreams, somatic knowing, poetry, and many pan-cultural soul-furthering practices that includes the way of the council, vision fasting, trance dancing, and conversations with the more than human world. Doug's true calling in life is to support others as they uncover their own unique gifts, and in so doing, transform their lives in service to what Thomas Berry called the great work of our times. Doug is also a student of refined Hakomi, an ardent beekeeper, a visual artist, a wily wanderer, a dream tracker, a deep ceremonialist, a heart-centered activist, and yoga instructor, interested in new forms of yoga and somatic practice, and also a guide for the Animus Valley Institute. Doug, welcome and thank you so much for being here today and sharing all about this work.
2: Oh, thank you, Jennifer. It's great to be here with you and to share this work. And to be with you. Thank you so much. Yeah,
0: yeah. Much needed right now. And I would love to just dive right in. And um, at the beginning, we talked about being a body, art, and soul guide. And I'm curious of what all that entails.
2: Absolutely. We'll have to sort of go at this in many, many ways because most people still be scratching their heads by the end of this interview. Like, what did he say? Um, so, yeah. Uh, Primarily, I think of myself as a nature-based guide to soul, nature-based, because all of my work involves nature. Uh, nature, you could say, is, is one of our most trustworthy guides now. Outer nature and inner nature, which to me is soul. The depth of our own inner wilderness lives, lives an in intelligence. So inner and outer nature is what I'm interested in, guiding people to that uh, or to those deep conversations with their own soul, you know, with their own knowing, their own inner wisdom and uh, inviting them on journeys, practices, conversations, etc., that you could say help circumnavigate the everyday consciousness again to, to drop down into the deeper layers of the de- the psyche to descend down into the deeper layers of the psyche to hear what's going on in our own depths because we can live on the surface forever and our culture is doing that you know we're living in a very surface culture so soulcraft practices that get us down to these deeper conversations and you know we we take pe- people out into wild places in nature to to have these you know, experiences and, um, we could talk more about that, but also want to say I, I help people do self healing and holding practices. And again, nature-based, you know, out on the land, we give wandering, uh, invitations, you know, about how to cultivate your wholeness, what you are naturally innately endowed with by nature. We all have the capacity of a 360-degree possibility. And when we reinstall ourselves in the natural world, wow, watch out. You, It's hard uh, not to engage and to remember who we are, right? And with certain kinds of practices and processes, you know, that's what we do is we, we help people to do that. Um, and then there's the self-healing piece, right? Um and uh, like, or, or you could say the subpersonalities, right? Those parts that stand in for us. So self-healing and holing. Um, but at the root, you could say my work is psycho-spiritual. And, you know, what we're interested in is helping people, I alluded it to at the beginning, to go on a journey. You could say a descent into the deeper layers of our own psyche Uh, to discover you know what's there you know what what wants to come alive in the world what is soul inviting us you know and that's where we find you know our unique piece of belonging you know that's where we find our niche that's where we find our beauty our gifts to the world is in the deeper layers of the self right not on the surface and um So I do a lot of one-on-one work with people on the farm that I live on in Goshen. I do my own programs and offerings. But again, like you said earlier, I guide for a nonprofit in Durango, Colorado called Animus Valley Institute. And we offer about 50, 60, 70, 80 programs all over the planet in wild places or on the edges of wild places, sometimes full on retreat center, you know, or or whatnot. but again, one-on-one in person here on the farm, uh, one-on-one when I'm on an animus program, all kinds of possibilities, uh, with that. And, um, let's see. Oh, also want to say something about the body piece, right? Body, art, and soul. And so I've studied refined Hakomi. Uh, and then I have also studied yoga and I teach yoga. I like to get people in their body. I mean, that's. The body knows the whole score, right? And then I also do a thing called body inquiry, which we can talk about a little bit more. That's inviting people into particular places in the body where there's, you know, energy or wounding or injury. And it's like, well, let's visit that place and hang out there for a while and see what the body knows about that, right? And then one other piece, I am an artist. And so visual artist, which works well with soul work because uh, soul speaks to ego, mainly in image and with our image, imagination, our imagination, right? Speaks to us in symbol image and metaphor. And uh, we want to know what the images are bubbling up and like how to work with those, you know, in art or on the land, or in deep imagery journeys or in dream work, because that also dreams the, you know, the soul is speaking to the ego while we're dreaming, you know, saying, hey, hey, check this out, check this out. Um, so that's kind of touching on the body, art and soul, the first first piece of it. And again, we can talk more about that as we go.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I was first introduced to Animus Valley Institute and SoulCraft and some of that work, it almost was like learning a new language Mm -hmm. and practices and way of being. So I think as we have this conversation, um, our listeners who might not be familiar will start to understand this languaging because it's definitely not um, ways of talking that I was used to before I was introduced to this work. So I'm really excited about that. And and in talking more about your guiding, how did you find your way as a soul guide? Because I wouldn't say that that's like a top five job search, you know, like people are searching on jobs, like soul guide. So yeah. How did you find your way into, into this work and being a guide?
2: Oh, great question. Yeah. I, you know, about 14 years ago, my sister gave me a book. By Bill Plotkin. She founded at a conference that was happening here in Louisville that I helped put on. And it's called Soulcraft: Crossing into the Mysteries of Nature and Psyche. And uh it knocked my socks off. It was like, wow, this group, this man, Bill Plotkin, has put together this uh philosophy, this practice, this possibility you know, that brought together so many things that have been of interest in my life. And when I read that book, I was like, oh, I am going to go and do one of these programs. This is the language that that something deep in me has been longing for, but has been missing from, you know, the kinds of therapy that I've done or, or, or aspects of it were missing from some of the therapies, right, or practices that I had been, you know, engaged in in my life. But anyway, so it's all like all roads led to this. And and again, it blew, blew my socks off. I went to six months later after I read the book, I read it twice. I went to a program guided by Bill Plotkin and Janine Marie Hogan, his life partner. And it was a vision fast. And it was in southern Utah, down in the uh, wild canyons, beautiful wild canyons, you West of Blanding, Utah, and it was a 14-day ceremony where we, you know, dove deep into these soul crap practices that I mentioned earlier, where we started touching on. And by the end of that program, um, there was something about it in me that was like, wow, this is so completely resonant for me of what, again, of all the things I've been interested in my life and there were two apprentices on that program who i guide with now and uh i asked them about the training program and they told me about it i talked to bill about it briefly he said we'll apply if you're interested i waited about seven months i think and um every time i thought about it during those seven months it was like oh yeah you just there's a big yes here kept coming back a big yes so i started in the training program a little over 13 years ago, and uh, I haven't looked back. My life took a left turn. People are like, where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) I've been on this tear, you know. It's like, hey, all roads have come together. The sparks have all connected finally for me. So that's kind of it in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious of how many people like myself who read the book and was like, well, That's Mm. my language. You know, wow. That's, it is. I think you said something about speaking a language that you were longing to hear. And I think that as we kind of move forward, I, I, I think there's, there are some missing pieces and I wanted to read something from your website, moving into Mm. our next topic, which it's, um, and I think this will be interesting to our mental health professional listeners to live a more soul rooted life means to move beyond an outdated psychological emphasis focused primarily on wounds and symptoms to seek out the more numinous gifts we all bear that lie trapped beneath the torment of old ideals bounded by beliefs that no longer serve relegated to shadows cast by fear, humiliation, and shame. Mm. And that really spoke to me as a, as a therapist. And I see that a lot. And so I'm curious of how this soul guiding work differs from therapy or more traditional mental health treatments in your perspective.
2: Huge. Yeah. Huge question. Wow. Yeah. We can start to unpack that, at least touch on it today. But first, uh, here's that book, Soulcraft. Yes. Beautiful book by Bill Plotkin. You'll want to check that out.
0: Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes as well.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, um, gosh, it's kind of like what you're asking. What's the difference between uh, soul craft and and psychotherapy? Partly, right?
0: Essentially, yeah.
2: I think, uh, yeah, something like that. I think that um, probably the way to start in on this is that, like, you know, the word psychology, psyche means soul. Soul has been left out of most psychotherapy, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's more of a, of a work of doing the healing and holding work of the ego, which absolutely needs to be done. And, you know, beautifully, right? That, that, and we do that work too with people, right? But, but it has left out, I think, again, that conversation of soul. And it's what I was talking about earlier it's it's you know nothing nothing really makes sense unless you talk about soul for me let me let me back up and start there like and i think jung you know 80, 90 years ago whatever he brought that back into our consciousness i think he's kind of gotten a bad rap by by the psychological world you know but i think he's he's done a great gift in bringing soul back this conversation and so again you know, what I'm interested in is how can you listen to soul? Your, again, your own deep knowing. The world that I live in is in soul. Everything has a soul. Its own interiority, and or as Mary Oliver says, it has its own private song to sing. We all have our own unique flavor, like a thumbprint in a snowflake that wants to be delivered to the world expressed into the world you know we want to live from that place and express and you know be you know coming from that place um so yeah you know if you, if, if psychotherapy you know just ends at healing and holding um that's not enough that's not enough i mean look at the world you know uh what a hundred years of psychotherapy in the world is still getting worse, not, not to cast, you know, a bad rap entirely on psychotherapy. But if that, again, if just healing the ego is as far and as wide as it gets, well, that keeps the world, I think in a state that we're in right now. Right.
0: So often in my integrative mental health circles or people that are doing healing work in various modalities, we talk about some of the limitations to psychotherapy and traditional mental health treatments. And yeah. you had mentioned earlier that uh, psyche, psychology, soul, but where is it? It's right. a kind of absent in the conversation. And what I've noticed as a mental health yeah. professional is that, and, and I think we're kind of like alluding to maybe even a Jungian shadow work, dream work, <laughs> talking about symbols. So, like beyond healing and holding what is some of like the purpose and what's the Mm -hmm. beauty and what are the gifts and like the poetry of life. Whereas sometimes we can get stuck in that problem focused model.
2: Right. Thank you. Right.
0: And we were talking about that. And so Mm -hmm. I guess it it feels so foreign to talk about Mm -hmm. soul work, Mm -hmm. which makes me sad because it's my field. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, so not only foreign to us professionals, but also with clients. So we start kind of dipping in and it's like, fear and terror. Yeah. What do you do with that? I mean, my sense is that fear and terror aren't to be avoided in soul work.
2: Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. They're often the guides the way in. It's like they're guides that are asking something of you or want to guide you to something because obviously you're afraid of something. What is it that you fear or want to avoid? Right. Or it could be what is soul asking you to do? It's like, oh, you want me to do what? You want me to live what into the world? You know, to live to—I think—to live a soul-rooted life is challenging. It sure. again, it will ask you to do do challenging things. Um, yeah, I think I think the other thing I want to say too is that, you know, with soul work, we pierce the veil of, you could say, an illusory life, right? It helps us pierce something and to, you know, ask the deeper questions, you know. Uh, you know, again, what wants to be lived into the, into the world by me, you know? And where do I fit in? What's my niche, you know? To me, soul uh, is how mystery, Spirit, God, whatever you want to say, wants to embody itself through me in time, right? So it's like, wow, that's a very important question. You know, what's the deeper layer? What does mystery want me to live into the world? And again, like a snowflake and a thumbprint, it's all different for all of us, right? And I
0: agree that there's so that we we're weaving in this idea that there's, there's language that there's conversations not being had, and there's other layers that aren't being explored. And I find um, in my field, like sometimes we just kind of stop short of, oh, wow, your symptoms are a little better. But then mm-hmm. what about asking, what is soul want What is earth dreaming for yeah. you? These are not typically yeah. questions you that I ask. Um, well, not before I had this type of, I started doing this type of work myself. But I also know that um, people seeking mental health, you know, counseling sometimes uh, avoid or are resistant to going deep mm-hmm. because it's terrifying and difficult, but also knowing that there's beauty to be found in the darkness.
2: Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that
0: kind of what you're talking about? When oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely the, the the dark is fruitful <laughs> on many levels right absolutely our own darkness our own woundedness our own darkness our own challenges difficulties fears and terror but also you know the fruit that's in the dark the unconscious in the shadow the unknown the not yet known the waiting to be known which is where again the deeper layers of the self is and where soul is and and we want to listen to that you know mm. and and here's another really important piece too is that like and this kind of comes back to your original question that uh some therapy can just make us better adjusted to accepting this insane world that we live in i, th- I would think of a, a more egocentric therapy soul craft is we want to help you cultivate and heal your ego you know, but we want you to launch much further than that. And, and, you know, ask the deeper question of like my suffering, what's the root cause of that? It's not just personal, it's planetary. Right. And, and what's my part in that? Do I just want to make it about me? Just my own, my own healing. Well, again, that's what we were saying earlier. If if that's it, well, then that's not going to really remedy the larger world affairs. You know, so there's something about like, well, where does my own personal story in the planetary merge? And it's like, what am I being invited to do, you know, as an engaged adult or visionary, you could say. I think we all have a seed for a cultural renaissance and soul knows what that is. And if you want to get to a really deep healing, well, stretch out what you're up to in the world to a planetary vision. Have the planetary in mind with what you do. I think all the wisdom traditions say, you know, service. Service is how you find the deep peace, calm, equanimity, vision, inspiration, sanity, soberness is when you're serving something greater than yourself. And that's really the ultimate goal of SoulCraft, this work that I'm up to. It's like, where do I belong fully? And not so much to save the world, but to belong to it so fully that it changes the world, right? To have the largest conversation that you can have with the world. Yeah, that's the kind of, the, the kind of therapy. You know, I don't want to help people just to become conformist better adjusted conformist, I want to help them to become agents of a cultural transformation, which I think is is the work of all of us right now. We've hit the iceberg. The species is at risk. You don't want to just stay home and watch TV. Probably not the deeper part of you. Maybe the protected part might want to, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But the deeper part is in what we're seeing um, I was looking up some statistics just about the mental health um, like stats happening right now. And we're seeing numbers of depression specifically mm-hmm. that we haven't seen since the Great Depression. And you know, I think that that you uh, alluded to that. and And speaking of um, the way that you're describing this work uh, sounds like an ecological framework. Mm. So me doing ecotherapy and eco-psychology, a lot of what you're describing is an ecological framework, you within the environment, you Mm. as part of and interconnected with the environment. And Mm. I'm also curious of the other, like one of the models that you work with, um, Wild Mind, which is a model that I love, use, work with. It's a lifelong process working with that model, because it's, you said 360, it's everything. And I'd love if you can um, share a little bit more about Wild Mind, um, the nature-based map of the psyche.
2: I could, yeah, that's another, it's a model conceived by Bill Plotkin, and he talks about it in his book, uh, Wild Mind, a field guide to the human psyche. And in this model, or this map, I should say, it's based on nature, the four directions. Um, but also, you know, it's also embedded in a transpersonal access as well. And so there's really seven timeless directions we're talking about that you see in many of the wisdom traditions, right? But but uh, the, the piece here is that it's based in nature. And uh, the human psyche, Everything about us grew in tandem with the wild earth. Our imagination, our thinking, feeling, sensing, intuition, all emotions—all of this is a mirror of the motifs and patterns of nature. And so, again, to learn about our own psyche, it's really powerful to get out on the land and to and to explore your psyche on the land with particular invitations, um, like how to cultivate wholeness, how to see it, how it's done in nature how it it gets, you know, engaged in your own psyche when you're in nature, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, nature-based model. Um, And it's based on the four cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. Um, And there's, you could say, archetypal clusters in each of these uh, four directions. So, like in the east, there's the innocent sage, fool, and trickster. You know, the South, there's the wild, indigenous, emotive, enchanted self, erotic self. The West is the guides to soul, the muse and the inner beloveds. The North is the generative, uh, nurturing self in the North. And then also in all four directions, there's what, uh, what we call the sub-personalities the wounded parts or the immature or fragmented parts. And we help people to, again, cultivate their wholeness and to delve into their fragmentation and to do what we call self-healing. Not healing work, but self-healing. To step in with your wholeness for the parts of you that are wounded so that you can deepen that relationship between the the wholeness and the fragmented part. And again, out on the land. Wow. It's powerful work. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. And what is what you're describing with this map is earlier you talked about the inner wild landscape and the Mm -hmm. outer wild landscape and how often they can mirror each other. And I love that the idea of a map, it's not telling you. There's not like mm. a specific location, or this is the because oftentimes, in, and especially mental and different modalities, there's like methods you go step one, step two, step three, and you complete the steps, and all of a sudden mm. you're healed. <laughs> no, yeah, this is a map of like that's a con like I'm we're constantly coming in and out, and um, I also like that there's an um, an up and a down, and mm. um, we've been talking about the down, which is that this the soul, which is that you're unique thumbprint and mm-hmm. then there's also like the spirit that's the interconnectedness of everything where there's no right. you right and right. sometimes right. i think we can tend to be a culture right now at least the people that i'm familiar with or the, who i talk to that's a little more focused on the spirit connected mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. little less um and then am i missing anything so we have the the up and the down the all around with the directions
2: yeah middle world Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's three, we call them the three realms of human development, mm-hmm. critical to engage in all three of these. Cause these are, these are the three main states of consciousness for humans. And it's really important for us to, to, to know the difference between these three. And these are not unique to modern people. This is an ancient language. You could say that the, that the ancient people talked about. And so, yeah. Uh, there is an upper world consciousness, state of being, and that's what we call spirit realization or, or transcendence, which is, you know, merging with the one, the light, you know, uh, peace, bliss, harmony, beyond the commotion uh, of the mind. Beginner's mind, eagle eye, perspective, place, right? And yoga, prayer, and meditation help us get there. Wandering in nature, clowning, poetry, lots of things. And most people, when you talk about spirituality, that's what they're, they're thinking, is upper world. We've got that covered, you know, across the planet beautifully. Um, but then there's also a middle world, which you and I are middle world right now talking Everyday consciousness, and uh, this is where our, our ego, you could say, lives, our everyday consciousness. That's how I define, I'm defining ego, and we want to do healing and holding work on that part of ourselves, because if, if we're fragmented, addicted, have strong inner critics or wounds, hurt parts, right, or shadow, which we all have all of those things, right, well, then it's hard to, to deliver. It's hard to be a, a, a full adult in the world right much less a visionary artist for cultural Renaissance so doing that work is critical then there's what we call underworld consciousness which is soul embodiment remember upper world is spirit realization this is soul embodiment how does spirit want to embody itself through me which is unique see this gets left out of the conversation almost entirely you'll hear upper world people say well that's not important just get to the light vibrate be stay here this is it and you know um we need the passion and the uh creativity of our souls you know what we're passionate about what are we're amused by what we're drawn to what we're uniquely endowed with to gift the world with right we need that We need the healing and holding of our egos and we need the equanimity of a peaceful, peaceful mind. And we need to know this. You could say the, the, the three realms and like, when do I surrender to upper world consciousness? When do I surrender to underworld and when do I need to work on my middle world consciousness? Most psychotherapies just doing middle world. And if they're doing an eco ego centric version of that, it's not a very good psychotherapy either. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, I'm no. glad you made those um, distinctions because you're absolutely right. That's the full picture, really, especially mm-hmm. for an mm-hmm. eco-logical framework rather than ego. I'm glad you
2: yeah. made
0: yeah. that distinction. And it really, this kind of sunk in while you were saying that. And I don't know if I've ever thought of it this way, but you were talking about the middle world, middle world work and then going in and like, how does spirit move through you? How can you use your unique gifts um, to basically a cult? You you said a cultural Renaissance, I think. Mm
1: -hmm. And for
0: me, that means like um, a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And I think right now is a perfect time to how do you do your ego work? So you can dismantle some of the oppressive systems Mm -hmm. that, um, Mm -hmm basically completely silence certain voices or
2: <laughs> whoops sorry about that
0: no worries it happens. <laughs> but, you know like there's certain oppressive <laughs> there's oppressive systems through <laughs> systematic racism through colonial colonialization wiping out entire people <laughs> um there's a systematic silencing of that soul and that vision that <laughs> could that we need as a entire species, global species To shift the paradigm that is ultimately destructive, right? And I think this is powerful, not only individual work, but also can be really powerful social change work. Mm
2: -hmm. Have you
0: seen that in in your time with Soulcraft?
2: Yeah, I think for me, like, I guess the way to approach this is that, like, at Animus and with my work, we want to help people have the largest conversation that they can have with the world. And and which involves like knowing what's happening all over the planet, at least in your own community, right? It used to be you just concerned with your own village, and I think we're we're all being asked to to cultivate a world centric, even universe centric perspective, which elders do, but we don't have that many elders, right, in the culture. Um, but yeah, and it's like by having this large conversation of like you know how the earth's being dismantled environmentally how colonization has wreaked havoc you know how misogyny how you know all kind you know things are and it's all and it's like being in conversation with all of that you know and and in some ways being destroyed by it lamenting being dismembered by it all see we take people on a journey to be dismembered a descent into the deeper layers of the psyche, the deeper layers of our knowing and let ourselves be dismembered like a caterpillar dying in a cocoon. Right. And again, all these conversations, you know, that are happening in the world help us to dismantle who we've been individually and collectively, and then go on this deep listening, you know, wandering for maybe months or even years, wandering in, in the dark, the mystery, the unknown, in the cocoon, like in listening deeply to, you know, what is what is my own deep wisdom inviting me to do? I mean, that, that's what we want. That's what, to me, that's what good uh, therapy does. That's what good philosophies, anything, upper world, middle world, any philosophy will help a person to tune into their own inner deep knowing, their own inner guidance. Their own inner star of navigation, their soul, right? Turn tune them into that, and then and then to come on fire, to initiate into that, you could say, to commit to that vision that comes from that, you know. We have we we are visionary creatures. That's the cornerstone of humans, and I think of matter. You know, everything imagines and dreams itself right the earth is dreaming us into existence right and so i know that's a hard concept for people but i think it's critical moving forward for, for people to grok that mm. it's not just me there's something much deeper moving through me nothing hat d- nothing happens that hasn't been dreamt or imagined first or or envisioned and so like what 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 how do we you know, get through this bottleneck coming up. Well, what are we dreaming and imagining beyond the rational thinking mind? Right. That's a great tool, but that's a handmaiden to the deeper wisdom that bubbles up from our souls. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that really speaks to what you were talking about, what we've been talking about, about the, the great, the larger conversation and those layers of work, because um, from my experience with this work and, you know, being a lifer with talk therapy since third grade or whatever, um, is that you, you there's a lot to sift through, unpack, unwind, mm-hmm. unlearn. Mm-hmm. And when we're numb and when we are, um, un, you know, not engaged in our bodies and that deep listening, I mean, like there's so much to get through to start that conversation, I think. is
2: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. and that's why it can become i'm glad you said months or even years because you know the dismembering process for me has been a long period of time and especially you know with this planetary vision quest crisis that's happening so um i think that when you're when you're speaking of the the layers and the path and the journey and then also this like to be able to like not only bear witness to to the dream but also dream let it come through you
1: Mm -hmm. your own
0: way is there a poem that could Mm -hmm. speak to that because it is a very heavy in my opinion heavy and um almost difficult to grasp concept
2: it absolutely is i get that yeah you know and i just before i say i do have a poem before I say that i do want to say that i think we need more psychotherapy Mm -hmm. Uh, you know of like helping to prepare people you could say for you know obviously to belong to the world more fully, you know, to, um, to heal ourselves. Right. So that we can be belong to the, to the com- our communities and our families and be, you know, more integrated and whole people. And, uh, that's absolutely needed. And I think though, too, though, what we're, what we're all, what we're getting at here is that then there's this other piece that's been missing, you know, something like soul craft or whatever you want to call it. Right. I don't care. But something that helps us launch beyond the social and psychic limitations of culture. So that's soul crap. So, yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. I've got a couple of poems here. Um, <clears throat> let's see. There's one by David White. Um, let's see. Probably. Uh, yeah. It's called What to Remember When Waking. By David White. In that first, hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from the other, more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began, there is a small opening into the new day which closes the moment you begin your plans. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. I'll say that again. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live in our true inheritance. To remember the other world in this world is to live in our true inheritance. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not an accident amidst other accidents. You were invited from another and greater night than the one from which you have just emerged. Now looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Is it waiting in the fertile sea, in the trees beyond the house, in the life you can imagine for yourself, in the open and lovely white page on the waiting desk? So I love this poem because to me, you know, yes. he's, like you could think, well, this is like when you wake up with a dream, and obviously it is it is about that, but, but it's also like, what it means to wake up spiritually downward to soul again like we're talking about that's a different conversation right you know what what you know what how what can i live wholeheartedly you know from the vitality hidden in my sleep in my unconscious in my unknown you know right what kind of wisdom is waiting there for me right and how can i bring that and he gives us some clues on that he said you know is it waiting in the first sea in the trees beyond the house so nature our own nature and wild nature we we reinstall ourselves in nature we'll remember who we are jesus went out for five years buddha went for two muhammad the cave i mean Nature-based people send their kids out, go find out why you're here. We need, we need, we need the vision that you bring back, the village strays. We need the, we need the renewal. Go, go, go find that medicine. And he says, Oh, and in the life you can imagine for yourself. So in the imagination, right? This is where so much happens in the humans. We're, we're homo imaginants this is this is the cornerstone of being an adult is awakening your deep imagination where deep wisdom lives and then and then for him david white in the open and lovely white page on the waiting desk he's a poet so here's his soul gifts it's 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 in his words and his imagery right this is his gift so what to remember when waking waking by david white
0: <laughs> I love that one, and there's a part that um, um kind of tears me, tears me up every time. It just kind of like woo um, is when he said you're not a troubled guest, right, on this earth, and it, it, it even teary because so many of the people that I work with, and even in my own experience, um, disconnection is yeah. an epidemic and we're d- un- disconnected with our bodies, disconnected with each other, the earth and it um a lot of people feel alone
1: and right. lost
0: and isolated and mm-hmm. i think that's you know a bedrock of depression <laughs> and anxiety absolutely and yeah. um you know that that the idea of belonging to me is at one of the roots of working with like, okay, so how's depression coming up? You know, what is it showing us? And this, mm-hmm. this, this connection and um, uprootedness from our place, mm-hmm. I think is, it, it's really troubling. And like you said, what most time we're doing is we're preparing people to go out and be successful in capitalism and patriarchy mm-hmm. and white supremacy. But like the sad part is that, you know, um, there it's, it, for me, the sad part is that it's harder to, to co- go out into the world soul forward when mm-hmm. um, there's a, there's not always a community to greet me. And I, so I think part of the work too is, is rebuilding that. Do, do you, or something. Am I saying that the right way?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do we create a, a, a an eco, ECO, or a soul-centric world again? And I think, you know, a mature eco-therapy, eco-depth psychology is one that actually does take people deeper into their depression or their anxiety or whatever it is, their ADD or whatever it is, that they don't mask it with medication but they actually take them so deep into it and see how am i not how is my life out of order with with the great unfolding of the universe you know it's and and there's something of the insanity of like how we're sort of uh compressed into living in this you know late stage capitalist culture that's killing us in the planet like how do i conform to that well that's devastating to the psyche right and we're seeing like you mentioned earlier you know so so much addiction so much depression so much anxiety adhd obesity etc but when you reinstall people in nature unstructured free time wow you know very quickly people find a relief, you know, from that, you know, it's the great place of renewal. That's why nature, outer nature and inner nature are two most trustworthy guides right now. And again, you know, this work leads us back to the soul piece. Soul has been left out of psyche. It's been left out of culture for, you know, hundreds of years. I think Descartesian philosophy put the nail on the coffin, right? I think, therefore, I am, and nothing else really matters, right? But you know we have all these other windows of knowing, and that's what we we want to open up in people and soul you know um that that might be hard for some people to accept that, right, or to go there, you know, wow, that sounds kind of you know new age or mystical or you know religious or whatever. But again, to me, you know, Jung, nothing really quite makes any sense unless you talk about soul. this soul piece that there's an inner wisdom and there and 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 who we are in, in this us being here is not an accident. We were invited from a greater night, you know, to be fully who we could be. Right. But if your culture is out of whack. It's hard to get there. You know, we're living in a we're living in a uh, adolescent culture. We've stalled out in adolescence, and devolved psychospiritually, in many ways. We know more about the universe, but we're less intimate with it than any people have ever lived. Yeah,
0: yeah, that really does speak to that disconnection. And and as we're kind of moving to, we're going to get to experience a little guided practice from you closer to the end of our conversation, but. I'm curious of some of the practices, like if we could just maybe share a few. I know that um, some practices that I work with, with some of my clients, um, some basic wandering practices, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you can describe better. But there's been one that most of my clients have And and of course, they're customized. But a lot of people that I've worked with have just really benefited from of starting the embodiment, starting the conversation of moving down, and Mm -hmm. uh, it is a it's pretty simple practice. But it is being with a tree or a sit spot Mm -hmm. with a plant or a tree, right? And not always directing or guiding Mm -hmm. the conversation or the experience. So sometimes the idea is we might go to a wander with a specific um, question or a part of us that we want to work with. But other times it's just sitting and listening. And, yeah. um, it, it's, that sounds simple, like, okay, just go and sit and listen and be. But yeah. uh, the more, the more intense, like the other day, I, I noticed that it's been spending <clears throat> time on my computer and I went and, um, just set for, I got four whole hours of yeah. undisturbed. who cares what and I'm telling, I, I felt a different, changed, met, metamorphosized human walking out right. of a four hour with no agenda, no. Um, mm-hmm. and so so just doing some sitting <clears throat> out in nature is one practice that I feel is pretty accessible because it can mm-hmm. be your front porch. It can be out a stoop in a window looking at looking onto a cloud. Mm-hmm. I think that can be accessible for folks. What do you think? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to me, like the first thing that jumps out about that is like the sense of belonging that that can can offer to you. Right. It, like you have a visceral experience when you do that. Any kind of wandering on the land in that one, too. There's something about like, you know, I actually belong here. You 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 can sit in an office and think about this all you want. Oh, yeah, I belong to Earth and, you know, I'm part of this. I'm you know 15 billion years of evolution but it's a whole different conversation when you go out on the land and you offer yourself intimacy with the natural world and with another being right there's amazing magic and mystery and conversations that spontaneously erupt in that place and what I, what I'm real interested in is like in that conversation if one erupts, right, what is my own depths, you know, uh, musing on, like what's revealed in that exchange or that interaction, right, and so much can happen, like we said earlier, nature is where people have often gone for renewal, but you know, I can go way beyond that too, you know, I mean, there's, you know, uh, we call it eco-awareness, it's, it's like beyond the cognitive knowing of belonging to earth like i was saying but also that uh, there's an emotional a spiritual you know and a somatic awakening that happens when we when we go out again and reinstall ourselves in the natural world yeah Sp- natural spontaneity of conversations that one erupt because nature is pure mirror pure imagination too, right? It's a mirror. It's hard to lie. It's hard to lie when you're around something or someone that's so truthful to its nature. Think about when you get around a really soulful person. Well, it's really hard for me to, you know, misrepresent myself or to fool myself. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really important to, to everybody to find places in nature, to, to go and bond. And tell your stories to, yeah, have a deep connection with.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's powerful. And I also like the idea of allowing what to, because you said, you know, being around a soul person or being around that mirror, that reflection. We have this striving of like trying to make things happen. And mm. the, the listening, I mean, that's a relationship. And so when you Mm -hmm. talk about that bonding, you can tell some stories, but also like the idea sometimes is like, what's going to happen. And I think that's exciting. We don't get that a lot. Um, not, Not some of us don't get to have the exciting part of uncertainty. We get all the, you know, terrifying parts of it. But what about the exciting? Like yesterday, I was telling you, I finally got some time and like, I mean, I saw an owl came swooping down and there were some like really neat bees hanging around me and um, all kinds of stuff. And I had no clue that was going to happen. That was exciting. And mm. um, I think especially now more than ever, having some beauty and fun and playfulness seems to be some good medicine amidst like this heaviness, even though we can't, I, I don't think it's healthy to. Blow To put a blind eye to it, but also mm-hmm. to be able to have some playfulness and beauty within it, because that seems like mm-hmm. reality, right? The way to go. Right.
2: And, and, and like you said, like part of the necessity of our own wholeness. Right. And it's like playing, belonging, listening, noticing, musing on, uh, being enchanted by. These are, these, are, these are like primary needs. You know, Bill talks about in his book, Nature and the Human Soul, which paints, you know, a portrait of how he believed nature intended us for us to grow psychospiritually through nine stages of a life. In each one of those stages, he talks about, well, here's what needs to happen. You know, in stage two is the necessity for enchantment and belonging to nature not just culture. And if that doesn't happen, here's what it sets you up for. Addiction, ADHD, anxiety, sound familiar? Obesity. Yeah. Right? Right. So with my work, I help people go back and do what we call developmental deficits. We help people to track back through their lives. Oh, I didn't do this. Which, which, by the way, most people don't do any of the nature tasks, or very few. And, and we don't even do the culture tasks very well. But the nature ones almost all get left out. Like innocence, stage one on Bill's model is innocence, which is foundational to a whole life. So I help people to cultivate innocence and you could say a, a, a seasoned innocence through a life, right? And again, nature is the primary teacher for us. It's the, all the blueprints for human maturation are in nature. You know, we just need guides to help us interact with nature, our own nature again, and to learn, right. Hmm. To learn again, how to be fully human. Yeah.
0: I love that. That actually, um, that guides me into moving, um, to, maybe a little more personal aspect mm. of this work which is i'm really curious of right now what is earth dreaming through you what prayers are on the tip of your tongue mm. where, where where are you right now in this wow work
2: beautiful question I, feel like I love that. yeah yeah wow so much i've had significant dreams in the last like many of us right And even anybody else listening, I would say you're having significant dreams, whether you're listening or not, or just sleeping through them, right? Um, But yeah, uh, gosh, just like vexing dreams of, you know, and experiences of like how our world's unraveling politically, socially. But more than anything, for me, my largest heartache and heartbreak has been for decades is what's happening ecologically on the planet. And, um, had a dream recently of a very quick dream of black in the dream. I just see my right arm and I see these feathers. In fact, they're right there hanging off of that picture and there's the bird mask, right? You'll remember that bird or these at the ancestor program during that movement piece. We did. Oh
0: yeah. I'll never forget. That's ha- It was haunting.
2: Yes. And I had, so I see these feathers hanging off of my arm. And this is right after the fires in uh, the Amazon. So back in September, back in that period. And uh, uh, the next thing I know in the dream, I'm out, I have both arms with wings and I'm out looking at the planet and flying over the Amazon, looking at the fire and I'm horrified right in the dream watching this going, oh my God, our, our, our world's on fire. Right. It's even worse now with Australia and the U S California, but then, and then, and then the next thing I'm out and I'm, I'm way out in space and I can see the earth and then I can see the moon. I can see the sun over there, but then I, but then I'm like looking out even beyond that, you know, so I've, you know, into space, deep time, the 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 larger unfolding the larger arc of creativity like uh dreammaker mystery you could say inviting me to to gather up a larger perspective of the larger arc of creativity in the universe that is embedded with destruction you know kind of thing so anyways there's a lot more so the dream that dream and then other dreams to help me more go more deeply into my woundedness culture's woundedness the people i work with and their woundedness um and then and balancing what you know has traditionally been called the masculine and the feminine i know those terms aren't so kosher anymore but at least the qualities of receptivity and outward going and so so balancing that part of myself um yeah so these are kind of the things on the edge for me yeah
0: Mm. And my sense is that it's often mirrored. You might see this mirrored when I've done programs. I find it fascinating how it's mirrored, the Earth or what's happening is being mirrored with the participants. Like it's like mm-hmm. almost like we're all kind of edging toward in our own way some of the same things. Like last, sometimes it's like anger. Enough is enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, with what's happening to the Earth and species and things like that. Um, so I appreciate you sharing
2: that. Yeah, and when you said that, it's like we we find that we're all plugged into the same story.
0: You said it better. You know,
2: that's the beauty of like going to programs with other people is that you hear what they're experiencing. And you're like, I'm experiencing that too. I'm not crazy, you know. And the culture is not talking about it. We're not going to see this on the corporate news or any much news at all, right? It's sort of this superficial survey of of what's happening right at best but anyway so there is something real valuable about like you know it's not just me everybody else is experiencing this as well
0: oh true absolutely and and you Mm -hmm. nailed it um i i I don't use social media as much anymore i had to take a break a long Mm -hmm. break because of some personal issues i was having with it (laughs) Sometimes you might see a little bit of like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that person thinks the same thing on their Instagram story, but when you get into these deep conversations, like the revolution will not be televised, right? Mm-hmm. A ghost And It's like these conversations can't be had in a five second Instagram story chat. and I'm not to delude those because it mm-hmm. is right now connecting and supporting movements. But yeah, for what I see, the bigger mm-hmm. movement is happening in those conversations with others. And, yeah. uh, and ourselves and the earth. So I'm, yeah. I I love that, and I, I'm um, I'm sure there's other traditions that have witnessed and noticed that the 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 stories that weave yeah. together.
2: And you know, and when we do that too, you know, and you'll you know, sitting in group with you or other people, they'll be talking about something else, and I'll be like, "Well, I haven't really touched on that yet, but it's been nibbling at me." And, and so it's like back to that piece of like having a larger conversation with the world. Like when you get with other people that are on that tear too, it's like then collectively what happens is exponential, right? We want to surround ourselves with people who are, you know, it's it's a value of theirs to have a larger conversation with the world. Other people you'll just find you're not... You know, that's why so many, you get on this journey, this larger journey in life to a larger story. You know, um, sometimes as in Mary Oliver poem, you know, you have to leave the other voices behind who are shouting their bad advice. Right. There's this new voice calling me. I want to go towards that. Mm. Yeah. I
0: love that line. Mm -hmm. I want to sit with that for a minute. Well, um, since we're talking about programs and groups and different experiences of guiding, before we move into our final practice for the conversation, what are some of the ways that people can connect in Mm -hmm. some programs or guiding some of the work that maybe they can connect you with or that some therapists can refer? And I know that um, it's important too that what can be referred that's outside of your city and state because a lot of our mm-hmm. listeners are, are all over.
2: Yeah, oh definitely, yeah. So um, yeah, they could, they could check out uh, my website. Um, I haven't been so good at keeping it updated but you could at least you know check it out what I'm doing and, and uh, see some things that are coming up. But also if you wanted to do one-on-one, I do mentoring with people, ongoing mentoring for weeks, months, and years with people. In this deep work, um, you could also check out. Oh, and that that website is www.bodyartsoul.org. Bodyartsoul.org, and then there's also a guide full time for almost full time for Animus Valley Institute, nonprofit in Durango, Colorado, and that is www.animus a n i m a s dot org. And on, you can get on there. We're doing online programs with COVID right now. Yeah.
0: And can you share about some of the scholar, our Animus Valley, are they still doing scholarships?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking that. Yes. We got a huge grant from a very wealthy individual. So we offer stunning scholarships. Our programs are hugely expensive compared to some, but not in, in in this realm of what we do, we're pretty medium or moderate, but, um, for most people it's pretty costly, but these, yeah. Apply for a scholarship. Sometimes paying, it'll pay for the whole program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure to mention that because it was generous and it is, um, creating Mm -hmm. space and opportunity where that might not have had been before. And so, um, and I often refer. So when I'm referring clients, it sometimes is supplemental to psychotherapy because, as mm-hmm. you said, there are there's some there's some ego work to be done, and sometimes while that while we're working on building that wholeness, it is helpful to have support in this way, and the insurance can cover, and etc. But um, sometimes when work has gotten to a space where I don't, um, I'm noticing that that just talk therapy isn't helpful or we can't really move much further, I will start to refer out to pro like Animus Valley Soulcraft work mm-hmm. mentoring with you um, because I know you and I trust you. So I really trust my clients with you. But um, so sometimes it's when progress has been stalled or we've kind of plateaued, I'm like, right. okay, maybe it's time to, to, to have more conversation, deeper layer work than mm-hmm. what we've done. And then other times it's a supplement to mm-hmm. talk therapy. So I just wanted to kind of share with my, but my clinician folk of like when and how to refer out to this work.
2: Um, also reading
0: the books and weaving it in. Right. I think is another way of, of doing the work.
2: Well, let me also add that a lot of my, the folks that come to my programs are professionals, psychotherapists, lots of people come yeah. wanting to add to their toolbox because we, we offer this, Wide array of really beautiful experiential processes and practices, models and uh, maps that that professionals can add to their toolbox. And I know a guy here locally who's been coming to many of my programs. He's a therapist, and he's gotten CEU credits. Now, how that? How some people say they can't. Some people say they can. Check it out if if that interests you. Yeah.
0: Hey, that's exciting. I never got CEU credits for my programs. Okay, enough (laughs) wanting. Well, I would love if we could move into a brief guided practice. We've talked about it. It's Mm. kind of, you know, dancing around in our minds, and maybe we can bring it down into the body and get an experience of what this work is.
2: Okay. So I'll do a uh, little Kind of like guided imagery. And, and I think of this as uh, one that touches on the heart of soul craft. Uh, it's kind of like how to drop down and drop in to the currents of this work, right? And to know the terrain a little bit. It's very light. It's just like a, a teaser, you could say. But like, in, you know, to know the terrain of this journey of descent and soul. In that kind of thing. So yeah, go in and close your eyes and let yourself get comfortable in your chair. If you want to lie down, that's fine. Take a couple of deep breaths to fully arrive and be here in your beautiful animal body and welcoming yourself to this precious moment. and allow the music to be a clarion called the sacred space and to dropping down and in. And allow your body to sink into your seat, releasing and letting go allowing yourself to be here and to be curious of soul and dream time and mystery. And I invite you to open up a channel in the crown of your head to know Possibility of a shift in consciousness. The seeing things anew. Breathing. then breathing down into your throat so that you can speak more fully and clearly on this journey into your own depths. Soften under your ribs and arms for the freedom of expression and open hands to receive. Breathing down into the belly of you, opening up to your passion for life and to your sense of a greater soul purpose. Feel that longing to know your ultimate place of belonging. And let the energy of the cauldron of your pelvis swirl and pull you down to your rootedness on earth. you belong, birthright of belonging, feel your heart beating, breathing in, arriving, Let all the natural elements of you become present. The salty seawater of you. The breath of air of you. The tree root of you. The winged one the wild indigenous one. Feel the full-bodied membership with Earth right here, right now at this moment. Sense the creatures that are right there in your bioregion, the land that you're on right now, the birds, trees, insects, turtles, winds, clouds. Again, let yourself land in this earthly realm of full being and belonging. I am a manifestation of Earth. I belong here. And in that deep belonging, notice what other threads say, pay attention to me. What is whispering in your ear? What thresholds are waiting to be crossed? What is dying? waiting to be reborn? What dreams are haunting me? What stories can no longer be denied? What is breaking my heart? about this world, about my life. What ceremonies or vows are waiting, beckoning? Feel the weave of all of this in you. Mystery calling, wholeness calling, destiny ached for, an embodied vision waiting to reveal itself. Here in this conversation, anything can happen. We are here on earth for this. The guides, your inner guides have a circle at the edge of the village waiting just for you. Make your way over here and take a seat in this circle of deep longing. I am here to have the largest conversation with the world, to shape shift, to be transformed, to find my ultimate place of belonging and to let earth, dream, imagine through me, come sit here in this circle, when you're ready, open your eyes, wiggle your feet and toes, take a deep breath, Stretching and, and coming back, remembering all that happened for you. Mm. Ah, here we go.
0: Ah, <coughs> oh, thank you so much for sharing that and. Mm. I would invite myself, which I'm going to do that again. <laughs> like hit pause and rewind, and um, it was a beautiful journey and invite into a place of belonging and our body and, and connection with mm. all of this. Thank you.
2: Let's, let's let Rilke end it for us, and this is from the uh, ninth Duino Elegy. One of my all time favorites. Earth, isn't this what you want? To arise in us invisible? Is it not your dream to enter us so holy? There is nothing left outside us to see. What, if not transformation, is your deepest purpose? Earth, my love, I want it to. Believe me, no more of your springtimes are needed to win me over. Even one flower is more than enough. Before I was named, I belong to you. I see no other law but yours. And know I can trust the death you will bring. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, yeah, that was a great way to end it. <laughs> thank you, Doug. And all of your information is going to be on our show notes for anyone that's interested in, in further linking. So thank you so much again mm-hmm. for today and this, this journey we've been on.
2: Thank you. It's been great to be with you and to share. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening. And I really hope that you benefited from this conversation today. And if you're interested in exploring more about the Academy or checking out one of our courses, please go to www.academyimh.com. And we would love to offer you a limited code for a discount on one of our courses that you can either get for yourself or gift to a mental health professional that you love. So please use the code TREATYOSELF. That is T-R-E-A-T-Y-O-S-E-L-F. And you will be receiving a pretty nice discount on one of our courses. All right. Take care. Take time. Take space and rest if you can. Peace.